Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday. Plenty to get to, but before we get started on all the latest on the Vols, we want to welcome new sponsor to the podcast, and that's our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. Be sure and check them out. They're East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies for a variety of ailments. they got four locations to serve you. One in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and their newest location is in Knoxville at 8,018 Kingston Pike. That's across from Trader's Joe, Trader Joe's, if you know where that's at on Kingston Pike. Or you can buy them on buy their products online at their website at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Uh, so be sure and check them out. And again, we want to welcome them. And because we're welcoming them in as a new sponsor. They want to start it off the right way by welcoming you to any of their store locations. If you mention VolQuest in person at their store, they're going to give you 15% off of your total purchase uh, of your total purchase price. That's an in-store purchases only. So thanks to our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. You're going to hear plenty more about them in the coming weeks and months here on the VolQuest.com podcast. Again, with Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Hope everybody is doing well. Guys, Tennessee getting ready to play pit. You've had a chance to digest plenty of Tennessee. You've had a chance to look at a little bit of Pitt. Uh, let's talk about Tennessee first. Uh, Austin, I'll start with you. Your takeaway after four days of, of Tennessee playing a game and then Josh Heupel talking after the game and then Josh Heupel meeting with the media on Monday. What's your takeaway from Tennessee in week one? It could be, it could be way better and it could be way worse. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think that's the best way to look at it. I mean, Tennessee didn't play a, a you know, perfect game. They had their fair share of mistakes, um, but when you look around college football, you know, you know they, they didn't have a Mississippi State, you know, last second gasp to win by one. They didn't, you know, lose the game um, like a couple other Power Five teams did. You know, they found a way, um, you know, to win by thirty-two points. And again, they did so by not playing perfect. They've got to be better, uh, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And they'll be better at quarterback. So, you know, we'll see if that uh, is able to happen this week. I, and I know a lot of snap judgments have been made about, you know, the the team Thursday. I think some of those people that kind of were so quick Thursday night to kind of go down that road of negativity have since come back around a little bit because they were able to see what happened on Saturday. You know, Rob, Austin brings up an interesting point. Does your view of it change when you see Montana beat Washington – you know, a 20th ranked team and, and you saw a lot of other close games. Does that kind of slow down and, and, and kind of change the, the, the viewing on things because Tennessee didn't win 55 to 10 as I thought they would. Does that change anything at all for you? No, I mean, not really. But I, I mean, I, I would, it was kind of like AP. I hadn't made any dramatic conclusions about this team after one game. Um, the way, you know, it seems some fans have. I mean, could, does Joe Milton need to be better? Absolutely. But I don't think you take one game and really, I mean, one, one, three bad quarters and, and decide that's what he is as a quarterback. And to me, that, that was the, like everybody else. That's, that's what I wanted, was most interested in seeing last Thursday. And I mean, there's no, you can't, you can't make it look pretty. I mean, for three quarters, he was really bad. But I don't think that that's necessarily, you don't, you don't close the book on it because of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think that that he was the only one that was bad in those three quarters. I, I don't think that 
I don't think that the receivers were great during that stretch either. And I think the offensive line had some struggles and some protection issues when, you know, Jerome Carvin was forced to play center. And uh, that's not to say Carvin's a bad player, but I mean, that's not his most natural position. He's, he's better suited at guard. And um, I think it took him a, a while to adjust a little bit. And um, I, I think Bowling Green changed the way they, they adjusted. My, my biggest surprise, I guess, my biggest takeaway from the Joe Milton show um, was the fact that he missed the two deep balls. I, I, that was a bigger di- That was a bigger takeaway for me than the fact that, you know, offensively that I thought the whole unit lost the rhythm, not just Joe Milton. I thought the whole unit lost rhythm um, when Bowling Green changed some things around and Tennessee had the injury up front. They had a couple of drop passes, but if you just said going in that he would, he was going to miss both of those deep balls that were that, that, that were that open that would have been a surprise to me. And then Austin, the other surprise is that his deep ball guy was Cedric Tillman, which I didn't really see coming into the game uh, either. So the, the deep ball stuff was kind of a bigger snap judgment to me than anything else was in the Joe Milton performance. Well, I did <clears> – we got to see Joe. He was on that kick 360 before we went on Friday. And I asked him specifically, you know, about throwing those deep posts to Cedric Tillman. Like, you know, about him, that being his deep target versus another guy that maybe runs a little bit faster. And he said, Cedric Tillman's plenty fast enough. He goes, it boils down to Cedric Tillman gets off press man better than anybody else at wide receiver we have. And so, you know, that, that was what allowed him, you know, to, to, you know, to get open. And he goes, he goes, I just overthrew him. He goes, that's on me. I mean, he owned it. I mean, sure. nobody, oh, yeah, sure. you know, yeah, he, he said well, he, he clearly was, did. I, I was just surprised that he overthrew both of those. It, it was my point. Yeah, and you know, you don't know how much, uh, you know, kind of just emotion. You kind of get the blood flowing a little bit, and and you know, you get juiced up, and the you know throw it a little bit. But it's just like when you know a golfer, you know, you know hits the ball ten yards further when he gets amped up. You know, um, you have to kind of account for that. I'm, I'm, I'm not making excuses for him because, I mean, he's got to be better. But I, I wonder if that's part of the overthrow is just he was just so, so juiced up when he saw, you know, Tillman beat his man that, you know, he just didn't account for the extra juice when he threw it. Yeah. What, what do you guys make of the whole discussion about touch, Rob, about how, you know, that's a real detriment to him because he doesn't have a lot of touch? I I didn't – I mean, I thought the, the two balls Hyatt dropped were just drops. I mean, I didn't – I didn't see that as a big as a big issue there. I just thought – I mean, those are two balls you got to catch, particularly the one at the goal line. I mean, I, to me, touch is when you, you know, hit a guy in the head on a swing pass and about knock him out, you know. And, and I, I didn't think he – I didn't think touch was, a, was that big of an issue with Joe. But does he throw the ball hard? Yes. But I didn't see that as a huge takeaway from Thursday night. No, I, I mean, my biggest takeaway, and I mean, if, if Hyatt makes those two catches, I mean, he still hasn't had a great game, but, you know, it's better. I mean, it, it looks better. And if he, it doesn't take much for that stat line to turn around. Hyatt catching two balls that were, that were right on him and Milton making one of the two deep throws. I mean, if those, if, if that happens, his, his, his night, I mean, he's still for 200 yards, a touchdown. It's not great, but it doesn't look as bad as it did. If he if if he if he hit connects on those just those two deep balls, it's fifty two to six, and his stat line is what another hundred and twenty yards. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, he, Rob's right in a lot of ways. I mean, it, you know, it, it's more how they won, and 
the mistakes that Milton made being the mistakes that Jarrett has made here for several years held, that held had just opened, long. they just opened the wounds. I mean, they just, you know, I get it. I mean, if I'm a Vol fan, I understand. You got the people on the board think that we're like naive to that. Like we understand, but I also think you, to judge anybody off one game is is just like it, had he went and th- run for a hundred yards and thrown for three hundred yards and combined for six scores. It would have been wrong to judge him based off of that because they were playing Bowling Green. So I mean, like, I just let the let the season play out a little bit. You you said coming out of the stadium, you know, the the Crompton analogy is the perfect analogy. How much can he improve? Because Crompton against UCLA in two thousand nine, guys, was totally different than Crompton late in that year. Oh, no question. I mean, no no doubt about that in any way, shape, or form. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I get I, I'm with. I mean, I you know he patted the ball, he held the ball, a lot of those things that didn't, didn't that that football fans did not want to see. You know, I, I think the other thing, Rob, that I was a little bit taken, I don't know, taken aback or a little bit surprised by, he he wasn't as fleet of foot or he didn't run as fleet of foot as I thought as I thought that he that he would. I, I, you know, I was surprised. weren't you surprised that like he 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 didn't take on anybody? I mean, he he stiff armed the guy when he went in for the second score, but. You know, when Bender's he just kind of down. Or tried to juke, you know, tried to avoid, you know, tried, tried to you know, make a miss, which I'm with you, AP. It's, you know, he seems like a much more of a take him on than make a miss kind of runner. Well, and, and guys, the one thing, you know, he made plays with his legs in fall camp. We all heard about that. But, again, wearing your red jersey, you know you're not going to get hit. It's a little bit easier to make those plays. Much like, you know, in fall camp when you're wearing the red jersey and you can't really show what you can do if you're Hendon Hooker. I think that's almost a detriment to his game because I think part of his game is the ability to make people miss in the open field and, and move around. All right, let's let, – yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Let's let's look at some other things and, and not just the Joe Milton because that was not the only thing – only takeaway uh, from the game. Obviously, that was at the forefront of everybody. Rob, how concerning or how – I don't. I guess concerning maybe is the right word. When you hear Joe Milton say Cedric Tillman's the best at beating press man coverage, when you know this week that's what Tennessee's going to get, that they're going to get a, a ton of press man coverage, that group to me has to really step up at receiver this week and be much more physical. I know Josh Heupel said he expected it and they would be fine there, but they're going to have to show it on Saturday, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it's not a surprise that you know, Tillman gets that you – know, just that kind of compliment. He is the biggest, most most physical guy they have out there, but by quite a bit. I, I think the challenge this week is on, you know, specifically, J, you know, Jalen Hyatt might be Tennessee's most talented receiver, but he's not their most physical receiver. And you know, if he's going to get put himself in position to make big plays to use his speed, he's going to have to be able to get off the line. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about that, and, and that'll be a challenge for him and and for the other receivers as well. Tennessee expected to have. Jimmy Callaway back this weekend. Rob, what did you make of the Tennessee running backs? I mean, they rushed for a bunch of yards against the team that you should have, but what was your takeaway from the tailbacks, Rob? Really impressed. And I mean, it kind of was a reflection of what the coaches have been saying. I mean, they've expressed some quiet confidence in, in a position group that, you know, the leading rusher last year had came back with, with 22 or 20, is it a 22 or 26 rushing tips? I mean, for, for that Jabari got last year, but they had pretty clearly, you know, Alex Golish. Jerry Mack had, had liked what they had seen from those guys in, in fall camp. And I think that showed up on Thursday. I and mean, I was, I was really impressed with Tyon. And I don't, I don't want to take anything away from, from Jabari, but 
and you know, I know AP's been tooting that horn for a long time now. I thought, I thought, I thought he looked really good. I, mean, I think Tennessee has two quality SEC tailbacks. Well, my thing is they're going to have to really um, expand the depth, though, because I, you know, the, the, you remember a couple of weeks ago when who was it? Was it Jerry Mack or was it was it Heupel? What coach said, you know, we got to be willing, we got to be ready to play four or five, six guys, and then it took them. It took him to literally the last carry or last play of the third quarter before Jalen Wright went in. Um, and then, of course, he was just really, really impatient, wanted to try to bounce things. You could tell he'd just kind of been kind of, you know, pent up on the sideline, ready to, you know, bust at the seams. So, you know, I think they're going to have to get him more run going forward um, and, 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 you know, try to rely on him more. Because, again, you just never know when you're going to get hit, uh, you know, by – injury or you know i mean look at georgia right now i mean they've got you know kirby come out on monday talking about how many kids they have out with covid that are breakthrough cases so you just never know when that's going to hit and affect your team yeah georgia i think talked about at least four right now tennessee needs some some depth there and they they didn't expand a whole lot with the running backs rob i mean they were effective but it was it was a pretty simplistic run game and, and pretty simplistic use of the running backs. Nothing out the you know nothing out the flat. Nothing in the passing game there really with the running backs. They, they were when you talk about being vanilla. They were about as vanilla there as, as they were at any position. I thought on the football field. Now they played well. Don't get me wrong. I, I thought Evans and Small played well, Rob. But they just it was pretty simplistic in what they were doing in the run game. I, I are they used how they used them. I was really surprised that they only got one one catch between them, and I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to look about how many targets they have. But um, Jabari had one reception, and especially when you know as you get into that game, and, and Joe Milton was obviously struggling. I was a little surprised that they didn't try to just you know give him a couple of easy ones, some gimmies to maybe get him back in his groove. Yeah, and uh, I mean I don't know exactly what Bowling Green was doing schematics. You know they were certainly giving up the the five yard hitch. And the first two drives, you know, and, and making some easy throws outside the hash. And they, they clearly took that away and started playing some different type zone stuff that it looked like everybody had a, had a good bit of trouble with. So what, while there's questions offensively, and you knew there would be, and, and look, it's one game, nobody's, you know, it's about how much this team grows from week to week. Defensively, solid start. I mean, I, I get Bowling Green's not, not very good offensively, but from where that unit was, in my mind, in spring to where they were Thursday night, I mean, solid is the best way I can describe it because I didn't think they were very good at all at spring. I know they've added some pieces, but those pieces weren't just huge in terms of their production Thursday night. The new guys, there, there were some veteran players who, who showed up and played pretty well. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt, but I mean, I thought that was the best that Tennessee defense has looked in a long time just based off the fact that how many times have they let an inferior opponent come in here and get a couple of touchdowns and look rather easily and look, you know, easily do so. I mean, Tennessee allowed, you know, a couple of, you know, rub plays, pick plays, whatever, a a wheel route kind of move between the twenties, but, you know, Bowling Green never sniffed the end zone. I mean, I, I was really impressed with the fact that they just, you know, they did not allow them to score a touchdown, kick two long field goals. I was impressed. I don't just look at the raw numbers because I think Bully Green was really bad up front. Sure they were. And But what impresses me about is Tennessee had no bust. I mean, maybe, maybe they had something in the passing, passing game. They didn't play exactly right, but they didn't have anything where somebody just got lost and, you know, there's a receiver or, or, or back. 
running wide open down the field. They they look mentally sharp, like you know, hats off to, to Tim Banks and the players. I mean, they they executed, I think, at a pretty high level. Yeah, I mean, they, there was they didn't have substitution issues. They, they they appeared to for the most part to get lined up everywhere. I'm sure they had some missed assignments here or there, but it, you didn't feel like they were overwhelmed at any point in time with, with you know, with managing the game plan and, and managing the system. Again, I'm sure it was pretty vanilla in some things that they did, you know, but they played a lot of bodies, Austin, 11 up front, more linebackers. They, they played more linebackers than I thought they would play. I was a little surprised they didn't play those two transfer corners any. They didn't get either one of them really any reps. That That was a surprise to me. And they didn't do much at safety other than the, the two, you know, your, your two safeties. So a little bit surprised by that. But up front, the front seven, I mean, they, they ended up playing about 17, 18 guys in the front seven, which um, I think they wanted to look at some linebackers, you know. And then I think Rodney Garner is going to play somewhere between, you know, nine and 12 guys a game, depending on how the game's going. I, I think that's I think he's going to rotate a bunch of bodies up there right now. Which, you know, with the fact that Tennessee wants to score fast, if they can ever get some momentum and rhythm on offense, defense is going to be out there more. Having those kind of numbers up front could play huge dividends, you know, later in football games. Yeah, they, they, they could. And, and, you know, you had, you had some flashes from guys. I, I, I like Tremblay. I, I did. I, I liked what he did. I thought he showed up a couple of times. I thought Tyler Barron showed up some. And again, I'm with you, Rob. Bowling Green is not very good, so you don't just look at the raw, you know, yardage gained or whatever. But um, they they held them out of the end zone, Austin, as you mentioned, and, and they weren't lost, which I think takes away, you know, is is a big takeaway and an important takeaway from this team. As, as we kind of wrap up football here, this is an interesting game. We'll dive into this more, obviously. Ben and Eric will have some of this in their pregame podcast. We'll talk about it on the Mailbag podcast. Typically, when teams like this get together and they haven't met in 30 years, there's not a whole lot of knowledge between the two. But when you think about it, I mean, these two teams know each other pretty well. It was just two years ago, Josh Heupel's going against Pitt um, when he's at Central Florida. And Tim Banks has gone against Pitt, Pittsburgh uh, when he was at Penn State. So, and, and, and Pittsburgh's got an idea of what Tim Banks wants to do because of Penn State. There's a pretty good familiarity with two teams that haven't played each other in a long time. So Rob, I think this game's going to come, it always comes down to execution, but this is going to be more about execution because I don't think either team's going to be surprised by what they see on Saturday, which is strange for a matchup like this that you don't normally have. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and they played twice in 2018, 2019, the first matchup hyper whipped them. I think it was 45 to 14. They had 500, 500 yards of total offense. And then the next year it was a 35, 34 shootout that, that pit won. And again, I mean, but so I mean, both times Heupel has seen them, his offense has put up some numbers. You would think that bodes well for Tennessee, but I mean, just like you, like you, the point you just made, you know, Pitt's not going to be surprised by this, by the high octane offense. They're going to they're going to come here with a plan themselves. I went back and watched that game from two years ago, uh, Monday morning. Now that's dedication right there, right there. And and and, to, and and looked into that game. One of the things that jumped out of watching that was the um, the way that. Um, the way Pitt's offense worked the middle of the football field. That's where Tennessee's going to be challenged in this, in this game, Uh-oh. I think, is the middle of Uh-oh. the field. Oh, slants. Yeah, they, they threw slants. They threw a lot of crossing patterns. Uh, they really worked the middle of the football field pretty hard in that, in that game in their passing attack. And uh, we'll see how Tennessee handles that. Now, total different coordinator, obviously, and different 
you know, defensive scheme. I've not gone and watched Pittsburgh and Penn State uh, play any football uh, tape yet, but um, I know in the UCF matchup um, from two years ago, there was a ton of middle of the football field plays uh, and, and throws that were made there. So um, uh, lots of intriguing matchups, lots to discuss. We'll continue to, to do that throughout the week. Supposed to talk to Tim Banks and Jerry Mack later today about the running backs, about the defense, talk to a few players as well. Josh Heupel will meet the media again on Thursday to kind of put a bow tie on the week and get you ready uh, for noon against Pittsburgh. This weekend, Austin, because it's Saturday, because it makes a little more sense and, and, and works out that way from a recruiting standpoint, going to be some bodies in the house. Taven Jackson says he's going to be here. Uh, they may have a couple of, of, of official visitors. We'll see what that number ends up looking like. But this is really the first time for Tennessee to, to showcase themselves in recruiting on the stage. This is a real opportunity for Tennessee if they can go out and play well, don't you think? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you, you know, originally the plan was to have Joshua Josephs and CJ Madden here. I don't know if the, either one of those kids is going to be here. I don't believe CJ Madden will be. And, and I don't think Joshua Josephs will be either. Um, Ephesians Prysock is the uh, locked in official visitor as of now. We'll see if they add anybody to that. Of course, he plays for Casey Clawson, who was here this past weekend. Um, and then, you know, I think a handful of 2023s are coming up here. The Ethan Crisp uh, from Mount Juliet, uh, Bryson Sanders from down in Chattanooga. Um, you, you know, he, the boys, Eric and, and, you know, Ben talked to, you know, our guy at Carnes, you know, um, Sean, Bishop. Sean Bishop, you know, and he said he planned on coming over. So, you know, again, you're right um, with Taven Jackson here. I think Brody Foley may be here as well. Um you know, it's a chance to to showcase, and and then a guy like Ephesians Prysock, you need help in the secondary. Casey Clawson sure has played up Tennessee to the kid as far as like the atmosphere. If it is a good atmosphere, then that's a real chance to uh, kind of showcase. Because as Caleb Tremblay pointed out on the locker room, as he's pointed out in media settings um, throughout fall camp, the atmosphere here uh, for a game against Bowling Green with eighty thousand was. Um, bigger than anything he's had at USC. It's crazy to think, isn't it, Rob? That it, that it, it just that, means that, more, that, boys. It does. I mean, it, it's it's a different vibe, and it's been that way for a long time. That's why Casey Clawson ended up playing here, and um, that, that's why a lot of those California guys came with him. Now, you got to win to get those guys, and they're not just going to come for the atmosphere, but that's why so many of those guys outside the region have interest in, in the SEC is because a Thursday night game – you know, against Bowling Green, where you're a five-touchdown favorite, has a better atmosphere vibe than uh, you know, a Pac-12 matchup that USC's playing against somebody. I and mean, there were more I, – I there were about as many LSU fans in the stands at the Rose Bowl as there was UCLA fans. Now, they left very unhappy, and UCLA's had a field day with Ed Orgeron as a result of it, you know, and in the, in the, in what happened pregame there. But, I mean, LSU was in droves out there, so – um, I, I get it. You're right, Austin. That atmosphere could, could be big for Tennessee, and we'll see. Austin, do you think – I don't think Tennessee's going to go out. Do you think they're going to go out anywhere Friday night much? No. I mean, I, I don't think they will. I, I, at, not at not noon, this week. Right? I okay. think Tennessee Tech the following week. Um, I know it's the same game time, but it's a lot different easier opponent. to get out. Yeah, different opponent. A little would, different opponent. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine they would go out this Friday night, but they will be back out. Um, next Friday night, but before the Tennessee Tech game, which again is a noon start as well. Rob, hoops visitors, anything coming down the pike this week, or is that going to be a bit later in the month? 
Uh, Deshaun Wall is coming in oh, next okay. week. Well, ne- not this week. Seventeenth Tech week. Okay. Seventeenth, and I am trying to find out about Brandon Miller. I'm, I've been told yes. I've been told no. He put out a top four last week with Tennessee not in it. He had it about ten days after he set up an official visit to Tennessee. That's the weird one. And uh, I'm trying to lock down exactly what what he is going to do because, like I said, I've had different people, both of whom I would think know what's going on there, tell me different things. So we'll see what happens. But that, that's going to be two weeks from now on the hoops front, right? Nothing this weekend. Uh, no, if Miller, if Miller's coming, he's coming this weekend. Okay. So we'll Sean Wallace is is definitely coming unless he cancels. Right. The but he's coming the following weekend. What's the latest right. with Wallace? Tennessee and Kentucky. A lot of people seem to think Kentucky's got some got some mojo working, but you know I think him getting out of that official visit without committing, Tennessee getting the last visit, getting him back on campus, you know, just a little over less than three months when he was here for the for an official visit in June. I, I think Tennessee feels kind of quietly confident, certainly certainly not cocky by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's a dogfight. As we close it out the gate, your takeaway from the SEC in week one? Vanderbilt's trash. <laughs> and, and Alabama is just an absolute machine. They really are. I mean, it's so true. And I don't even think they played that great. That's the thing. Is that, I'm not sure. Um, I think defensively Alabama is really, 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 really good. I'm not so sure on the Alabama offense. I just don't think that Miami defense is very good. I mean, I, well, I, I mean, just don't know how good Miami is. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not surprised by that score. I thought I thought Alabama would would manhandle Miami. I, I didn't think Miami was ready for that, and they certainly weren't. Go ahead, Rob. I was just gonna say, AP is it Georgia's year? I mean, they was Pinocchio. They're Pinocchio. They're they're pretty good in the front seven. Now, I, I think Clemson's got some clear offensive line issues, you know, and, and they got a quarterback who was overwhelmed and and, and struggled there, but. That that Georgia front seven is pretty stout. Um, I, I was surprised that Georgia's offense though just did nothing. But I mean, then, I'm, but, again, I'm not saying that. Yeah, but to not score an offensive touchdown, I'm not saying that they would go score thirty points. But to not score one offensive touchdown, I mean, are you not surprised by that? Because I am. Like I would, I would have bet a good sum of money that Georgia scores at least one offensive touchdown. Yeah, I mean, with the talent they have at tailback, even if I mean. I I don't think JT Daniels is is very good. Maybe he's he's going to prove me wrong. And I also don't think Georgia's really explosive at receiver with Pickens gone. But still, with the the talent, the stable of running backs they have, I, I'm with UAP to not bang one in. That was that was eye opening. Yeah, they um they're not um you know they they were very depleted at the receiver position. I know they're not going to get Pickens back, but we'll see if some of these other guys and how they come along. I mean, my, my I guess my biggest takeaway is I from that game is. I'm not ready. I'm definitely not going to anoint Georgia anything, but I'm not sure if that's Georgia's really that good or if Clemson's really got some real issues and they're really exposed on the offensive side of the ball for the first time in a long time. Um, that I mean, before, if I were a Georgia fan, I would be like, okay, that was pretty good. If I were a Clemson fan, I'd be much more nervous. Much more like, nervous if I were a Clemson fan. We are a long way from Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. At the yeah, quarterback a long, long, long way from that. So, um, everything else kind of, I mean, like you said, at the start of the podcast, Austin, just it's week one. You don't put a ton of stock in it. You got you know, Mississippi state has to rally late. You got Arkansas struggles early, then puts them away. I mean, South Carolina plays a team that's just, 
just woeful. And, and, you know, you mentioned Vanderbilt, how bad they were. Hats off to Randy Sanders and that and the program at ETSU for going down there and not just pulling an upset, but absolutely throttling and manhandling uh, Vanderbilt in, in that game, which is exactly what they did. And uh, I know all of us have dealt with Coach Sanders for a long time, and, and good good for him. I mean, that he's brought that program a long ways, and, and good for them for going down there and just manhandling them. Two Big things, way. two things that Randy Sanders and Jay Graham do. And that's beat Vanderbilt. <laughs> and for those that don't know, Jay's helping Randy out as a quality control coach. And they went down there and they certainly beat Vanderbilt and, and took care of that. So we'll see what week two brings. Obviously for Tennessee, it's a very different week as a very challenging opponent comes in. Tennessee, an underdog at home to start the week as Pittsburgh comes to town. We'll have full coverage of the Panthers and the Vols uh, throughout the week in the Johnny Majors Classic. That's coming up and all of our coverage. And again, we'll have the mailbag podcast coming up on Thursday. Don't forget um, Ben and Eric's podcast on Saturday morning on your way to the stadium to get you ready for the Vols and the Panthers. But that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. Don't forget to check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Four locations to serve you in East Tennessee, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and the newest location on Kingston Pike across from Trader Joe's. But you can get everything online as well at their website, SmokyMountainOrganics.com. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.